0: In the past, when I have stepped outside my comfort zone and I have pushed past my boundaries, that's when like it's the most rewarding and the most satisfying. And that's usually when you learn the most.
1: Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here coming to you live from the AG studio and you are listening to Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and of course, have some fun along the way this week i am chatting with carissa moore she is a pro surfer a five-time world champion and the gold medal winner from tokyo her energy is so bright and just infectious (laughs) to say the least Carissa and I talk about so many things in today's episode from her upbringing on Hawaii and learning to surf with her dad at just four or five years old to all of the hard work and dedication that went into her sport, getting her to that massive stage at the Olympics. We talk about the nerves that she feels every single time she gets in the water, even today, and how being in the ocean is the most beautiful, ultimate form of self-care for her. We also talk about what self-care looks like for her outside of being in the water, as well as what a regular week of training looks like and how she prioritizes her recovery. Plus, the hurdle moment, which was a two to three year period where she was coming back to her foundations and identifying her why behind surfing, and how she navigated the COVID-19 pandemic in the buildup to an Olympic year. Again, such good vibes from this combo, and so grateful to Carissa and her sponsor at Aura for hooking us up. I am so grateful for it. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And if you're local to New York and want to have a good time tomorrow night, I am going live at Hub 17 inside Lululemon on Fifth Avenue for 7 p.m., hosting a conversation about the hurdles that we face on the run leading up to the November 7th New York City Marathon. I am so, so excited. Link for tickets is in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Carissa Moore. She is a five-time world champion Olympic gold medalist surfer. How are you doing, Carissa? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so good. I That's never going to get old, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds pretty nice. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first year that surfing was in the Olympics. It's kind of crazy.
0: It was a big moment for surfing, uh, just to be able to surf and compete on that level on that world stage. It just felt bigger. It felt more special. It was great to be a part of the US team and compete for something that was bigger than just myself for the first time. I really enjoyed the whole experience.
1: Talk to me about how they grade how you do surfing when it comes to the Olympics.
0: Yeah, so Olympic the Olympics were scored pretty normal to, you know, our normal competitions. We are competed on a scale of speed, power, and flow. Each wave is, you get one to 10 points, 10 being the best, one obviously being not so good. And you're, (laughs) you get, you get scored on your two best waves. So total out of 20 and yeah, it's just your combination of major maneuvers and how critical you do it in which sections and stuff like that. So, uh, pretty, pretty normal to what we're used to. Wow. So during competition, how many waves could you catch? I, I don't really know, but you, we're usually given a time frame of about 30 minutes to catch two really good waves. Um, so I don't know. I don't ever really catch probably more than like 10 because you wow. are looking at the waves that are coming in and trying to like use your time wisely. Um, if you wanted, you could probably catch everything in sight <laughs> for, the, for those 30 <laughs> minutes, but you try to, you try to be smart about it.
1: Totally. Totally. What were the waves like over there?
0: The waves in Japan were some of the most difficult conditions I've ever competed in. Really? Um, yes, because in Japan, you in order to get good waves you need a typhoon and a typhoon is that, you know, is a storm that is not very far offshore and so with it comes weather and when we competed it was literally it felt like victory at sea. we It was storm surf. There were like white caps and water everywhere and the waves were big and the current was strong. And it was very hard to find any organization at all out there. It makes sense out of it. But I think that's kind of what made it Fun, I guess. And, and it, it, was, it was quite challenging.
1: Wow. You're a particular kind of person to say that it is. Uh, it was a bit fun to deal with like these obscene stormy conditions. And of course, we'll kind of get back into your into your backstory and talk about how you got to be this kind of
0: person. But when did you start surfing? Uh, I started surfing when I was about four or five years old here on in Honolulu on the south shore of Oahu at Waikiki Beach with my dad.
1: So born and raised in Hawaii. Yes. Yes. Born and raised in Hawaii. And when you started surfing, was this like you saw your dad doing it and you
0: were like, I need to get in the water? Or was he like, okay, it's time that you try this. You know, so my dad wasn't born and bred into competitive surfing. He was not he was a waterman. He loved the ocean. He was actually a competitive ocean water swimmer and he just like loved the ocean. And it was, he just wanted to share his love for the ocean with me. And that's kind of how it started. There wasn't like this grand scheme of like, okay, like let's win world titles and be the best in the world. (laughs) It was kind of just what we did together. And it was that love and that passion that grew eventually into a competitive fire.
1: Wow. So when did you start competing professionally?
0: I started competing. Well, it's it's interesting because growing up in my amateur career, I actually did like a couple trials, which would get you into like main events, main championship tour events. So I wasn't, but I I didn't start competing full time as a professional until I think I was 16, which was my junior year in high school. And that was um, when I started competing on the qualifying series to qualify for the championship tour my senior year. I've surfed a handful of times, I would say like maybe, maybe two
1: hands worth. And it certainly has a big learning curve, right? And that uh, it's one thing if you want to go out for a run, right? And like anyone can just get up and go out for a run, but surfing isn't exactly like that. So (laughs) for you at first, did you find it intimidating? Did you feel like,
0: did you feel like you excelled at it right away? You know, it's been, it's been a while since I first started surfing. So I don't remember (laughs) all the feels in the very beginning, but yeah, I just, I mean, I don't ever remember being scared because I, I had my dad with me all the time and he Mm. was like, he just always made me feel safe. So it was always fun. I'm not going to lie. I still always get scared when the waves are big. Like I don't think the fear or the, the nervousness ever goes away, but it helps to keep you on your toes. You know, that's so interesting though, that perspective,
1: right? Because you've been doing this for so long. You're a five tied world champion. You're a gold medalist now, but you still admit to being like getting those butterflies and getting scared. And I think that sometimes people just assume that someone at your caliber wouldn't necessarily
0: feel those things that it would just be like, "Eh, I got this all the time. Oh my gosh, no way. I, I get scared all the time. I think, uh, especially when it gets past the service certain wave height, or if I'm going out to a new break for the first time, I definitely like those moments where I have to step outside my comfort zone and go into uncharted territory, like the fear definitely sets in and I have to, it takes a couple deep breaths. It takes, um, you know, I have my support team and the people that ground me and make me feel confident. And then I just try to rely on ability and knowing that like, Hey, in the past, when I have stepped outside my comfort zone and I have pushed past my boundaries, that's when like, it's the most rewarding and the most satisfying. And that's usually when you learn the most. So um, I try to, I try to look at that. And that helps me overcome it, I guess.
1: (laughs) Could you recall some of maybe your earlier surfing memories when you were tossed around and made to feel a little bit
0: like, am I doing the right thing here? (laughs) I do remember one in particular where I was still on a soft top and my dad was still pushing me into waves and he told me to jump off before I reached the sand, but I didn't I didn't listen to him. And I went straight into the sand. My board overturned. It cut my shin up. And I was just horrified having blood run down my leg. And I was like, what is like, what was going on? And dad was like, you should have listened. You should have (laughs) listened.
1: You should have listened. So you get into surfing your junior year of high school. What happens for you from there? Do you think that I'm going to take this really, really competitively? Or do
0: you go to college? How does that pan out? Going to school... Was super important to me, and it was very important to my parents that I graduated high school. So I feel very fortunate. I went to Punahou School, um, which is one of, I think, one of the best schools in the nation. And um, they just did a really great job helping me balance school life and competing on the championship tour my senior year. I definitely missed like a couple events, I missed prom, but those sacrifices were really worth it. Like the experiences that I got on tour and traveling that year on my rookie season are really invaluable. The lessons that I learned, um, I ended up missing one event on the championship tour for my graduation. And then afterwards I went all in, all in for, for, for competitive surfing.
1: All in. When you started competing on the professional circuit, do you remember anything that was unexpected or something that you didn't anticipate
0: getting into it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my rookie season was kind of like, wait what did I just get myself into I felt like it was really kind of hard to like be on the road and go to consecutive events and not have the familiarity of like my home and like being grounded all the time with home and my all of my family and all my friends I like found myself like of course I had my dad or my coach with me but it wasn't the same and so just kind of like finding where I belonged on tour, but then still like as a teenager, just figuring out who I am and who I was and where I, where I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just a lot of growth. And then, you know, just the caliber of surfing and talent on the tour and competing with, with everybody was It felt like a steep learning curve. I really sucked my first few events on tour. Um, I think I got last place in my first two events. It wasn't until the third event that I finally found my groove.
1: It's so interesting that you, that you say, like I was coming into my own, which is so true because for so many at that age, uh, perhaps you're going to college, perhaps you're getting your first job. It's like a huge, huge moment for your personal growth. So to be going through this moment and to have so much instability in your life, I would imagine couldn't have been easy.
0: Yeah, it, it was definitely a little challenging. I think on a personal side, there was definitely stuff going on with my family at the same time that was challenging. So but what was really beautiful as I felt like, as much as like I was, it was a bit rocky, being in the ocean gave me stability. That was the one place that I like, felt like myself. And when I finally like found my groove. It, it felt really good, but it was cool. Like all my friends, I felt like I had a really good group of friends that was, were genuinely there for me. Like they Skyped me before they went to, to prom and stuff. And just having people that like understood the schedule and the sacrifices that it goes into being a professional athlete. It really meant a lot to me.
1: What was it like for you traveling at that time? Were you in and out of a bunch of hotel rooms? Where was the money coming from to
0: support you on this? Well, I feel very, very fortunate because I've had an incredible family, Ohana of sponsors for a very long time that have backed me and given me a platform to really chase my dreams without the pressure of like, you need to get a result. So it was great. I've been with Red Bull and Hurley since since i was on tour and um so just definitely having their backing helps support me my travels and my dreams and then um my dad my my og he's been there since the beginning and he still works with me all the time at home and he was traveling with me and yeah it was yeah hotel rooms living out of his suitcase maybe some airbnbs and house rented and yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh it's interesting right because I have a really good relationship with my dad but sometimes like I mean I've never had to spend endless endless amounts of time with him um but I try to put myself in your shoes and think about what that experience and going through these things together could have been like for you what would you say was the best part about it and what would you say was the worst part about it <laughs>
0: that's a very complicated question because I feel like there's so many like nuances to the relationship I have with my dad. It's, it's so beautiful. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, like getting to share this journey with him. I mean, it's like, I would, yeah, I would never trade it in for anything. And though it has been hard at times, I think the hardest part is separating dad's voice from coach's voice and knowing, Mm -hmm. um, knowing when to like, Cause a lot of the time in the beginning we brought it home and I think now we're learning how to like give it five to 10 minutes at the beach and then we're done. Um, And I think that was, that was probably challenging. I think uh, he also knows how to push my buttons better than anyone else, which is a pro and a con because he's gotten me to this whole nother level that I didn't think I could reach. But at the same time, it was kind of upsetting and got me so frustrated at times. Um, but I think the whole journey has really brought us close together and he's one of my best friends.
1: I love to hear that
0: when you started traveling to compete, um, I would assume
1: that almost rather quickly people started to recognize you or perhaps want to ask you questions about the things that you were doing. Do you recall like exactly when you started to realize like just how immersed you were becoming in this sport that you had grown up watching?
0: It's so funny that you say that. I think the best part about surfing is like, I don't know. Like I, I definitely, I feel like, you know, I've reached the top of my sport in, in some ways, but I, I don't know. I feel like I could still like live my normal life and not many people (laughs) like say much, which is really great. But I mean, it's just enough that it feels really great. And I love, I love talking to people and stuff, but I think maybe probably when I started competing in school and there was like a couple like newspaper articles here, there, there are people at school who were like, Oh, that was cool. You had a good weekend, didn't you? So ah, that was awesome.
1: And we talked about coming into your own a little bit in your sport. It is like commonplace to always be in a bathing suit running around. And I feel as though from a young age, that's just like ingrained in your culture. But did you ever have trouble getting used to something like that?
0: Being in a bathing suit was never an issue until I started going through my changes as a teenager and my body was changing. I was going through some personal things. I definitely turned to food as like my comfort and I packed on a few pounds. And I think what was hard is in a bathing suit, everybody can see everything. And mm-hmm. you're, op- you're really putting yourself out there and for judgment. And I think there were definitely times when people saw the outside but didn't actually think of what was going on in the inside. I was still training super hard and all these things. I definitely didn't have the healthiest relationship with food. I felt judged more based on the way that I looked rather than my athleticism or the way that I served. And I think that at the time that was kind of just the way that it was, was for women in the sport. And I, it's really great to see like after competing on a championship tour for the last 11 years, how far it has come. And the fact that like, Hey, you can wear a tiny bikini, you can wear board shorts, you can wear whatever you want, but there is this, deep appreciation genuine appreciation from the surf community and people watching just for athleticism as a woman so no but they're definitely like my body positivity journey it's 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 been a journey and I still feel like there are days where I feel good in my own skin there's days when I don't but I think over time I've just learned like hey I may not look like the next person but we're all beautiful and unique and we're not meant to fit a specific mold there is no specific mold and my body allows me to do amazing things i'm strong and i think what really helped me uh, also on this journey was when i fell in love with my husband and he actually we got together when i was like at my heaviest weight and it was like aha <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> the number on the scale it doesn't matter the way that i look like he still thinks i'm beautiful someone one person thinks I'm beautiful, no matter what, how cool is that? So, um, (laughs) that was kind of when I started to like have a, a healthier relationship with food. There was more like a, a inner confidence in myself. And since then I've really been trying to talk kinder and treat myself better since then.
1: When you said that at the time, like you were leaning into food when you were going through some difficult stuff, was this like an emotional eating thing?
0: For sure. I think there was so much stuff that was out of my control at that part in that time of my life. It felt like food was mine. And it was like, I think I I would probably define what I was going through as binge eating or closet eating, because I would like literally not eat in front of anyone and like starve all day. But then when I got home, I would just like, chow, I would just eat everything in sight. And then I would try to work it all off, and it was like just this negative cycle where I just felt guilty, but like hungry, but like empty, but wanted control. It was, it was, it was a really interesting time, and I hope I, it's it. I just felt a lot of pressure. There was some anxiety, just inside, outside, everything, and.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of women, especially
0: young women can totally relate to this. I mean,
1: for me, I definitely dealt with leaning into food to manage a lot of the feelings that I had surrounding my parents getting separated when I was younger. Um, And then I went to college and I was bigger than everybody else. And I felt super uncomfortable in my body and my self confidence was like completely lacking. And it wasn't until one day that I was like, if you don't change the way you're treating your body and the way that you're talking to yourself, then you're not gonna, like you won't find happiness here. And that is, you know, it's a big moment that you have to have with yourself. It's a big conversation because it's not like you can just flip a switch and all of those negative thoughts go away.
0: No, no. It's like, it's everyday work. It's like I have those thoughts all the time, like doubt and, self-confidence doesn't come easy. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, something I battle with every day still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. And you mentioned that in the water, you feel home, maybe articulate
0: how you really feel in the ocean. It's, it's hard. It's, it's kind of indescribable, but I think why I love it so much is because being in the ocean, you have to be present. And in this world today, I feel like there's So much going on and I'm constantly going, going, going. But like in the ocean, you have to be present. Otherwise, you're going to get like knocked out by a wave or thrown off your board. And I just feel like riding a wave and paddling around and just like gets my body moving. And it feels just like it just invigorates me and makes me feel happy and free. And I love the spontaneity of riding a wave and the fact that like no wave is ever the same, no day, the conditions are ever the same. And so I love that you're never going to master it. You're always learning. You're always growing. And I just love the freshness and the newness of it every day. The uh, parallel between like the
1: waves come and then the water gets calm and then the waves come again. It's like, God,
0: <laughs> It feels like every day
1: in life is like a different wave that we have to navigate.
0: I don't know. I think too, something is like, like in life too, you're going to fall, you're going to fail. But when you eventually get that one wave all the way to the beach, it's just going to feel amazing. And which is so like life, like the things that are worth it, they're going to take time. They're going to take hardship. There's going to be challenges. But you just got to get yourself back up, back on your board, like dust yourself off, paddle back out to the lineup and try again until you succeed. So yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> so
1: what would you say, aside from coming into your own as a woman, was one of the biggest challenges early on in your career?
0: I think as my career progressed after winning a few world titles, I think the next kind of like set of challenges was kind of redefining motivation for me and also redefining what success looks like and who I am without my results because that Hmm. was kind of like the next kind of learning lesson I feel like I went through um, after I won my third world title Um, because I don't know, I never started this journey like, oh, I want to win this many world titles. It was always like, oh, I'd love to win one. And then it was like, now what? You know? And then how do you keep going? How do you keep achieving the highest level in the sport and keep motivating yourself? You know? Hmm. How do you how do you do that? And I just I felt a little lost or trapped in doing it for maybe everyone else and kind of got caught up in everyone else's expectations and wants for me. And it was like a hard lesson to learn because like I'm a people pleaser. Like I love to make other people happy. And I felt like when I was winning, everyone was happy. Um, But it didn't feel right after a while. And so I kind of like, I definitely think that I wear my heart in my sleeve and I surf from my heart. And so I that definitely translated into my performances. You could, you could see it. There was a three year like slump, so to say. I wasn't definitely performing at my best. The the lines that I was drawing on the waves weren't as confident. And I think also just my husband that's when my husband kind of proposed to me and I became a fiance. And I was like, I'm going to become a wife and a mother one day. But like, who am I? Like, before all this happens, who am I? So, uh, yeah, I think it was an interesting couple years and I feel like I've came out the other side with a deeper meaning for like what I want and listening to my gut and following my heart. Um, even if it's maybe not what everyone else wants.
1: Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, Camelback. Oh my goodness. I I feel like I have Camelbacks all around my apartment now, just like I have blue light blocking glasses. (laughs) I have a different bottle in every room because I have made it a priority to focus on my hydration, especially in this marathon buildup. Now my two go-to bottles... First and foremost, the Eddy. It's a 32 ounce water bottle. It's made of insulated stainless steel and has like this idyllic, super handy bite valve. So it's spill and leak proof. Plus, for some reason, I feel like drinking water out of a straw just makes me drink more of it. There's gotta be some science on that. Also, I am a huge fan of their Horizon Tumbler. It's ideal for my morning walks with coffee. I walk around Fort Greene Park. I look at everybody's super cute dogs. It keeps my coffee hot. It's It's cozy in my hand, and I love it. Of course, Camelback has a discount for the Hurdlers exclusive. Head on over to camelback.com slash custom and use the code hurdle25 to get 25% off a custom order today. Again, that is hurdle25. Use that code at camelback.com, that's dot kcom slash custom to get 25% off a custom order today. Perfect for the holidays. Also wanna give some love to my sponsor at Element, that's L-M-N-T. Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It's plant-based with no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, or other sketchy ingredients that may be hiding inside the bottles at your local bodega or CVS or grocery store. You get the point i personally love sipping their watermelon salt flavor before and after my long runs but they also have a ton of other amazing picks ranging from citrus and raspberry to orange chocolate or even they're unflavored if that's your thing sipping element means that i am giving my body exactly what it needs to perform at its best And bonus, it tastes absolutely delicious. Now, of course, they have a deal for The Hurdle listeners. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinkelement.com slash hurdle and get a free Element sample pack, including two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored for only... $5 $5 shipping. That's right. The sample pack is absolutely free. All you've got to do is pay for the shipping. Again, that address is drinkelement.com hurdle to get your free Element sample pack today. No code necessary. So interesting. There's so many things to unpack here. I mean, the first <laughs> thing to unpack here is a lot of people go through that kind of self-inquisition. Um, And you said like you started wanting to know more about this, like wanting to know more about your why when you were still on top. So like when we're talking about your journey and like determining what success looks like a lot of times. Um, and I can speak to this from personal experience, but like, I've had to redefine what success is for me when I have faced injury and I am not able to toe the line at the starting line that I was hoping to toe the line at. So for me, I've had to take a step back and be like, well, success is in this marathon training cycle. I met new people and found new community or success for me was that over the last three months I found so much joy in lacing up my sneakers five to six days a week and giving back to me whereas for you it's like oh I'm winning I'm winning this is what success is like and you had the
0: self-awareness to be like but what is it really I can totally relate to being at like when you redefine things, it's it, most of the time it comes when you're kind of hitting rock bottom or when you're like in this place of like, okay, well I can keep going this way or I can go back to the drawing board and turn it around. So it was after my third world title where I went into that three year slump of like, not really like knowing why this wasn't working out. And I was not having fun. I was Mm. not having fun riding waves. I was not in love with competing. I was like upset and I was just like grumpy and I was negative and a little lost. And it was definitely leaking into my relationship with my husband. And that was, that was why I was like, okay, things, things have to change. I got to make some changes in my life. And that's when, yeah, I, I that's, that's when it all happened. When you say, like, I have to make some changes in my life, what kind of changes
1: did you make?
0: I think the biggest changes were perspective changes. Because instead of, like, looking at the tour and maybe, you know, being like, oh, I'm, like, competing and I'm unhappy when I lose. Instead, it was like a change. It was like, oh, you know what? My life is great. I get to travel the world. I get to do something that I love. Even if I lose, I'm learning So it was like, it was definitely like a huge change in perspective.
1: Were you able to shift that perspective on your own? Or were you talking to like a sports psychologist or listening to podcasts? Like where was that coming from?
0: Oh my gosh. A big shout out to my sports site slash life coach. His name is Daniel Zimbra. And I've been working with him for a few years now and I couldn't, advocate more for having that person that you can talk to. That's a neutral space that just wants to, that you can be a sounding board off of, and they'll kind of help guide you gently into, I mean, he's really helped me to create a happier life for myself just all around. So I'm super grateful for it.
1: Working with your sports psychologist, a huge unlock for you. You said meeting your husband, also a life-changing moment for you. How did you meet him?
0: I met my husband in this, our senior year of high school. So we were classmates. And at this time, our best friends were dating. So they kind of like set us up. <laughs> set you up. Wow. So you guys have been together for a minute now. For a minute. Yes. It'll, we are actually celebrating our fourth wedding anniversary this December. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, as you continue to travel
1: within the sport, how did that impact your relationship?
0: In the early stages of our relationship, it was hard because, I mean, I missed him and we, the, the, our relationship was new. And like I said, at that age, there was just so many different things that I was going through and also insecurities. So, you know, it was hard to not be there and know what he was doing and have that trust in the beginning of a relationship. But it was also really good for us because I think that we both had growing up to do on our own. And as you know, the years have passed, he started traveling with me more and more. And like, this year, this past season, he was like, my full time travel buddy. And I don't know what I'd do without him on the road.
1: (laughs) When does the Olympics like first really become something that's on your radar?
0: maybe six years before last year was when they, the conversation started and it became like, like people were like, this is serious. This is actually going to happen. And to have like a goal that's
1: so far out from when you said it must have been like a little intimidating.
0: Well, I mean, I don't think I actually really like understood Olympics and like that journey until like the year we actually had to qualify because like I've been an Olympic fan for 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 some time since I was a little girl like I've watched the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics and but like surfing in the Olympics wasn't something I ever fathomed as a little girl and it just kind of like I knew it was going to be tough to qualify So it wasn't ever like, I'm going to like, of course, it's a goal, but I'm not going to let myself fully dream about it until it actually happens. I don't want (laughs) to dream about it until it
1: actually feels within my
0: reach. Yeah, I don't know. I just not that I like, I mean, of course, it's I dreamed about it. But I think there is a difference between like just putting your head down and like working for it. And then like, do you know what I mean? Like I just I just think about it. Yeah, it just it was like. The, the battle to actually qualify for the Olympics between the other American girls was really tough. And so I just wanted to be realistic that like, Hey, like it may work out. It may not. I'm going to give it my very best, but at the end of the day, whew, we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> and for you, I mean, over the years, your training is bigger than just like going into the ocean and grabbing a bunch of waves. So what does the rest of your training usually look like?
0: Yeah. The, I mean, the, there's no better training for surfing than actually spending hours in the ocean. But outside of that, I train. I have a wonderful trainer. Her name is Erin Kamano, And we meet three times, three to four times a week. And usually it's outdoors at a park. And I also do Pilates once a week. And it's also super important for me to rest and recover. That's a huge part of the whole thing. What does
1: prioritizing your rest and recovery look like for you?
0: Oh, uh, well, rested recovery involves a lot of naps and sleeping. And I'm really grateful for my partnership with Aura because they've helped me to really like nail down my recovery and figure out how to sleep better and how to train more efficiently depending on the sleep that I do get. Um, and then on top of that, I I, I love Hyperice, which they have some great recovery tools that, you know, after I train really hard, I'll sit in my Norma and just relax my legs. And I do see a massage therapist like once a week when I'm home.
1: Can we also talk about like the sleep hacks as well? So I have yet to wear an aura ring, but I do wear a whoop and learning about my sleep and my HRV and my resting heart rate and like seeing this data regularly has dramatically impacted things that I was doing before, maybe to my detriment, like drinking wine too late in the day versus having a glass at like I mean not every day I can have a glass of wine at six o'clock, but if I have a glass of wine at six o'clock versus if I have a glass of wine at nine o'clock, I know my sleep is gonna be different. Just like I have like now like taken a look at other benchmarks that totally impact my sleep, and I know that I want good sleep. So for you, what has learning about this data kind of taught you?
0: Oh, it's been super eye-opening to like you said, get data on a regular basis on how I'm sleeping because then I've, over time I've been able to look at it and compare and be like, oh, okay. Like when I do this, I sleep better and I wake up energized and ready to take on the day. If I do this, I'm, I feel like I just want to lie around all day and be a vegetable. But um, I think some of the best little like hacks that I've gotten is just like, I sleep with a mask on every night, huh. um, which helps with like light and blue light and just everything. So it helps me to have a more restful sleep. And I think turning off my phone earlier, like around 6.30 p.m. and then just like enjoying time with my husband and my dogs and reading and winding down that way really helps me to like relax and settle down to have a good sleep.
1: I think you gave like everyone listening to this podcast in this moment, anxiety by saying that you have mastered, or at least like sometimes mastered the art of
0: turning off your phone at 6.30. It's ve- it's very rare, but when it does happen, the sleeps are amazing. So <laughs> if you want a good sleep. Just, oh my uh, <laughs>
1: I feel like that's like literally dreams and goals. It's like, I would love not to communicate with the world most nights after
0: 6.30. Oh, it's been actually, so we live in the very back of one of the valleys here and we have huge trees. And the other day a a tree fell on a power line It took it out for like the whole day. And I was like, this is heaven. I don't have to respond to anybody right now because no one can reach me. Yeah. I mean, but I
1: feel like in what you do, like going into the ocean for long periods of time, like, do you think that you're the most reachable human?
0: (laughs) Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, if I had to think about this, actually, not really. Yeah, no. I feel like it sometimes takes me days to, like, text people back. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I saw <laughs> your text come in. And then I ran off someplace.
1: Where well, I couldn't bring my phone because oh it was wet.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, for you, how do you, besides
1: your time in the ocean, how do you give back to you? What do you do to take care of yourself? Ooh.
0: Um, well, I am a religious napper. So, like, honestly, like, I love naps. And setting aside time during the day to, like, just be quiet and, like, hang out at my house. I love to just, like, organize. And, like, right now we're actually in the middle of, like, a big home improvement. So, like, that's been a fun way to, like, I love projects. I like scrapbooking. I like being creative. And so, for me, that's, like, a nice outlet. I just love hanging out with people that I love. So, I'm very fortunate to live only maybe, like, a 10 to 15-minute radius away from, like, my mom and my dad and my, my in-laws and my grandparents. And so my sister lives, lives, moved home as well. So I'm constantly just like hanging out with my friends and family that really fills, fills me up. And yeah, I'm simple. I don't need much to be happy. How does the Olympic qualifying situation work in surfing? Well, we were Guinea pigs this because it was the first time ever. And it was a little confusing, to be honest, but um, for the main countries that have a very strong presence on the World Championship Tour, uh, like the United States and Brazil and uh, France, uh, they took your seating your you were able to qualify from just competing on the championship tour season in 2019 so that's how that happened and then there were a couple other events like the isa games and the pan am games um where other like maybe smaller countries um that aren't represented on the championship tour could qualify through
1: do you remember where you were when you found out that you were going to the
0: olympics yes i remember (laughs) it was it was (laughs) It was a crazy showdown for these two spots because the world title race in 2019 was myself, Caroline Marks, from from originally from Florida, but now lives in California, and Lakey Peterson from California. We were one, two, three in the world. And so we were not only on the final day of the season, the last day and the last comp, were we not only vying for the world title, but we were vying for the two spots. So it was like... It was so intense because of just the talent level from America on the tour, you know? So yeah, um, yeah, I found out because uh, one of the ladies, actually Lakey Peterson, who I just like madly love and respect. She's amazing. But she bowed out early in the competition, which meant that I had qualified. And so it was during a post-heat interview that they were like, hey, you qualified. And they gave me like this special flag. And it was like, this is real. I actually got all choked up and a bit overwhelmed. How do you find your
1: calm in those kinds of high pressure moments?
0: It's My calm comes from taking a couple deep breaths and I mean especially this year this season in particular my theme was freedom and I really like it was a goal of mine to really strive for that freedom in my mind and freedom in my body. Because when it's all free, I can do what I train to do every day. And if I do what I do every day, then I'm going to be fine. I just so it's um, I do a lot of like rational reasoning of just like, hey, trust the freedom, trust the formula. You have a good formula. You've done the work. You've checked all your boxes. Like all you have to do is go out there and surf and be yourself and do it with love. And leave it all the rest up to the universe, because I I truly believe everything happens for a reason. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And there's a lesson to take from that. And it'll make me stronger. It'll shape me into a better human and a better athlete. So just trusting in that has really given me like a, a sense of calm and a sense of peace in those in those moments. Was there something that happened that helped you to adopt that mindset? Just over time, there's been a few things. I think just seeing like, hey, when I am free, I surf and perform so much better. I'm happier. I think it was after those few years of like redefining motivation and growth and what I want for myself that I was like, I don't have to do this for anybody else. Like all I have to do is do it for me. And so that's kind of what helped to like A lot of like the anxiety and stress comes from the stuff that you can't control. And that includes other people's opinions or what they think of you. And most of the stuff is out of your control, out of your control, especially in the ocean. Like I can only control this much, which is like my approach, my perspective, which waves I catch and how I surf them. The waves that my competitors catch, the way the judges judge, you know, the conditions, like I just got to let that go and do me. And then I don't know.
1: It's a hard mindset to adopt, right? Because we want to like have a say in everything. But to your point, it can just be like the most absolutely freeing experience. And something you mentioned here, like not being able to have control over other people's opinions. I mean, as you became more well-known in the sport, how did you get to a point where you could really release that pressure that maybe you were putting on yourself based on what other people had to
0: say? it's it's having a good support crew honestly like having people that you can count on that you that don't that don't judge you that just listen and are genuinely there for you and like at the end of the day those are the opinions that matter so that's that's what I like like that's what I lean on I just I'm like hey the people the opinions that matter are the are coming from the people that love me and the the other stuff it just just let it go
1: I always feel like I go back to this idea. Like, would you go to this person for advice and not to say that, like what they have to say a hundred percent doesn't matter just because you may not know them, but sometimes that helps you put in perspective where you're taking most of your feedback from and who you want to allow to have that kind of effect on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely in finding out that you're going to go to the Olympics, you start to train differently or do you kind of go about things as usual?
0: I kind of like, just because it had never happened before and I didn't really like, to me, it was like, okay, there's two different ways you can look at it. It can be like this crazy new, like big experience, which it is. And you can treat it that way or you can treat it like any other contest, which it is. It really is. If you strip it all away, you're just putting a jersey on and you're going and you're surfing like any other contest. And I was like, okay, well, which approach will give me the best outcome, like the best chance of success? Because I think if I overthink it and I make it a big deal, it's just going to turn into this this thing that just feels too big in my head. So I'm just going to approach it like any other contest because okay well most of the contests that I do regularly I do all right in so um when I found out that I qualified we had a bit of an off season and that was actually um at the end of 2019 was when I announced that I was going to take a year off from competing on the championship tour um and just have a year to focus on training for the Olympics and doing some stuff that I haven't had the chance to really do because I've been traveling on the road for so long. Um, so I was just kind of in relaxed cruise mode and then COVID happened and, um, the Olympics got postponed and luckily, yeah, I hadn't really like hit training or hadn't really picked up speed with training yet. So I just continued with doing what I would at whatever I was doing at home. Did you feel relieved
1: or maybe did you feel a sense of extra pressure making that kind of announcement?
0: Uh, It was that moment, right? That I kind of had been working towards that moment that I was going to choose myself and what felt right to me above everybody else. And it was super scary. I was like, whoa, what is everyone going to think? Like I literally like, I think you know, probably everybody thinks that I should continue competing on tour and try for another world title. I'm in great shape and stuff. And, you know, this is the time that I should be capitalizing on 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 that on on my health and where I'm at. But I was like, no, this this is what feels right. And so um as as much as it was like nerve wracking, I did what felt right to me. I stayed authentic and I think it was really great to see the response was super positive and I got a lot of support, which is really cool.
1: I feel like there must have been a lot of tears in making that decision.
0: Yes. <laughs> For sure. But I actually I had made that decision a while back. I had made the decision actually I think before I even started competing that year. I was like, hey, I'm gonna give it everything that I have and then I'm just gonna give myself a break, you know? What happens in the break? Besides COVID, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I spent my my break was a lot different than I had imagined it to be because I wanted to do a bunch of surf trips and I wanted to go to places I hadn't been before and really like do some different things. But I ended up staying home, which was still super awesome. And I got to hang out and get into a routine and train at home. We had a great summer of waves at home. Yeah, played with the pups, did some hiking, (laughs) did a lot of scrapbooking, home workouts. It was fun. It was super what are we fun. Doing
1: for, what are we doing for home workouts, Carissa?
0: Oh, home workouts. Uh, well, I was Zooming my Pilates teacher. I was I actually set up like a bike and a. I got a punching bag for my birthday last year. Um, <laughs> I love this for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So amped over the punching bag.
0: Yeah. The punching bag was a game changer because it helped me get a lot of my, uh, all the aggression and built up Angst out. We all had that built up angst
1: over the last eighteen months. I'm I'm certain about that. Okay, so let's fast forward to you actually heading to the Olympics. Did you did you think going in that you were going to come out on top?
0: I think everybody going in wants to come out on top. <laughs> I I definitely wanted it to work out. It was, there was just so many things like we had talked about that was out of my control and was a little different and outside my comfort zone. Like we weren't allowed to bring our normal teams with us. Like, so I wasn't, we weren't allowed to bring our family. I wasn't allowed to bring my husband. So that was very different. And uh, so I, in a sense, even though I was there with the US team and they were amazing, I felt a little bit alone. I felt a little bit like, okay, I've got to like stand on my own two feet and back myself and figure this out. Then on top of that, we were dealing with like never surfed the venue before, um, and then the storm came, and then that was crazy. And just the different t- the way that they were they broadcasted the event and how they had to stand on the beach before we had to paddle out, and they announced us and stuff. Uh, the different security checkpoints, all that was just like different. And right. so I, I was like, hey, all I could do is have fun do my best and we'll see what happens
1: and we'll see what happens it's uh it's interesting right because sometimes in those moments of like true truly feeling alone that's when you like have when you're forced to sit with yourself and like do a complete body scan about what's going on and how you feel i would imagine that feeling alone really gave you the space to inquire like what what is it that I'm doing here and what is it that I really want out of this
0: oh exactly exactly it was a very like empowering moment um it's it's been so I'm so grateful for the journey but just like looking back at it now like every step every challenge that even we've talked about today that has brought me to this point of being like a a woman and like backing myself and following my heart and my gut, like it all came to a head at the Olympics because all I had, like, like I said, I had the team and the team was amazing. I got to work with like the coach, Brett Simpson, and he's like one of my best friends and we've worked together before, but in a lot of ways I felt like I was like, yeah, it's me. I'm doing this. And it was really cool. For
1: someone who struggles to find this similar level of strength and independence on their own. What piece of advice maybe do you have to offer them?
0: It can't be forced, you know, it has, it comes with experience. It comes with time. So be patient with yourself. And like, I don't know, like there's still like moments where I don't feel strong or I feel like I second guess myself or my decisions. So just being okay with like it's progress, not perfection. And I think I've always like put a lot of pressure on myself for it to all look a certain way and go a certain way. But I think that there's so much beauty in the progress and, and just being like, I think that there's a a strength in being vulnerable and also like letting your guard down and knowing that there can be improvements and you can be better. I, I truly believe there is a plan to believe in the plan and trust the plan. And you know, we're, we're all put on this, planet for a reason. So yeah, I don't know.
1: I think if you're, I mean, you said the word vulnerability and I think you hit it on the head because if you're not willing to be honest with yourself about the things that you're struggling with or the hurdles that you're going through, then how are you ever going to make it to the other side of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's like, that's a really hard thing to do is to be able to like sit down with yourself and be like, okay, I can, I can do this better that that's where the growth happens
1: that's where the growth happens. So right now, I mean, we know the we know what happens. You win the gold medal. You're like on top of the world. Does it literally feel like you're on top of the world?
0: (laughs) Um, yes, it it felt, it felt so good. I think, I think it was just like in that moment when it all happened in the horn blue. And I was like, wait, I just won. Wait, what? It was just an accumulation of like, I did it and it was this long journey and all the things and all the people that went into it. I just was like thinking of my family and like all the people that have helped me along this journey. Like it wouldn't be possible without every single person that have shared their love and time with me. And then it was extra special just being a Hawaiian and like bringing it back to like Hawaii and the roots of surfing and just getting to represent the islands and my people and where I come from. That was really, really cool.
1: Obviously so much pride that goes hand in hand with being Hawaiian. When you think about the people that inspired you on your journey, have you been able to bring this back to them and articulate that about how much there they've had an impact on you?
0: I hope so. I've tried. <laughs> there, there's so many people that i wanted to thank, but um, I'm 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 getting there slowly. I'm getting there slowly, but um, yeah, no. There's definitely like a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation and heartfelt thanks to everyone that has has been there for me. You know, I yeah. worked with so many coaches. I've you know all, from my my people at the different companies that I've worked with and have sponsored me to my family, my friends. It's crazy. Yeah. The support and love I've gotten has been uh, tremendous.
1: Right now, if someone was to go to your social media pages, maybe your Instagram, they would see a Hawaiian surfer who has about a half a million followers. When you look in the the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I
0: don't know. I mean, (laughs) I just, I'm just a I'm just a girl. I'm a woman. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. Um, I'm a sister. And I just, I'm very grateful to be living the life that I live and doing what I love every day, which is riding waves. What excites you right now? I'm excited to put subway tiles over my (laughs) kitchen stove. Yes. Uh, I love this HGTV life for you. Now I mean, now that
1: you're now that you've like gotten this medal, what is like even on the horizon for you in the near future?
0: I am enjoying my off season for, I don't know, the foreseeable future. Uh, our championship tour season doesn't start up again till the end of January. So oh, wow. I'm just chilling like a villain. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually think that my husband and I are going to be going on a friend's trip to Mexico to celebrate his 30th birthday, which it will be like the first trip I've done just for fun with a surfboard, not like competing. So I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no big plans. No big plans. Oh, you deserve it. You deserve
1: all of it right now my friend you have an opportunity to give yourself a piece of advice going through the that 3 year low point looking back on it now what do you tell yourself during that hurdle moment
0: well i would probably tell myself you need to go through this because you're going to come out the side other side with so much more of like A different perspective and understanding. So it would just be patient with the journey and kind to yourself and have a little bit more fun because, you know, laugh it off a little bit. I think if anything that I could have done a little bit better during those years was just, I was super hard on myself and I think it led to a little bit of a burnout. So just keep it fun.
1: Keep it fun. I love it. Krista. thank you so much for your time today. How do
0: you, the hurdlers follow along with you. How do we keep up with you? Give us all the details. Oh my goodness. Well, thanks so much. I guess the best way to keep up with me is my Instagram account at riskmore 10. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: over at hurdle podcast and at
0: Emily Abadi, another hurdle conquered. Catch
1: you guys next time.